and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest today is Casey Wilkinson, who is the owner of MHK Play Studio. Hey, Casey. Hi there. Welcome to the Think MHK podcast. We're excited to have you with us. Thank you. Me as well. So the first thing we always ask people to do is tell us a little bit about themselves and how they ended up in Manhattan. Um, Well, I grew up in western Kansas on a farm ranch and came to college. I was basically told, go to K-State or nowhere else. So arrived here and meandered through several degrees before I ended up in early childhood. And I will be honest, my grand plan was to work for a year and then go somewhere else for my master's and just had wonderful career opportunities. And I had several friends from college that decided to stay and make Manhattan their home. And here I am 20 some years later. Okay. So Western Kansas, what town? Lewis. Lewis. And how big is that? Um, I had one of the largest classes with 19. 19. So you and I have similar, my graduating class, Granfield, Oklahoma, 1987, 21. Oh. So we were really big compared to you guys. You were huge. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I don't know how yours is. Ours has gotten smaller. My hometown's gotten smaller, uh, which which happens in Western Kansas and Western Oklahoma. So that's unfortunate. So um, MHK Place Studio just opened. A lot of people... I think it's been pretty visible. It's the old Viking Grill uh, there uh, near Target. But talk a little bit about your business and how, how have you evolved into that business over time? Um, yeah, so we actually opened late 2019, uh, which was a great time to open a business right before COVID. Uh, and so I always like to say that we've actually transitioned our business model six times since we or every six months since we opened, uh, which has been really stressful, needless to say. Um, I remember, uh, I think it was month two or three of COVID and was basically at the point of we're going to have to close permanently. I talked to my accountant, my banker, my lawyer, and I was making the big decision to just, I tried, it didn't work. About two hours later, after I made the hard decision, my dad called me and said, young lady, pull up your bootstraps. And so I got creative and started thinking, and I am not uh, new to the early childhood world or running a childcare facility. And so I became licensed as a school age program um, because that was what really I saw the need in the community was school age programming at the time. And so we transitioned um, and did school age programming and hybrid virtual school for a year and um Opened back up to the community fully, I guess, in late 2021. And then our lease was coming up. So I knew it was either um, stay small or go big. And in true fashion, I went big. So we moved into uh, our new location and rebranded and have really seen great success in that new location. Yeah, it was. it's interesting as um, there are, I think, several restaurants have tried to make it there. And I would say... It's just so hard to get back there. I don't know what's going to make it. And then when you told me your idea, I go, oh, that's the perfect thing for that location. (laughs) You get visibility and you don't want people driving by and you don't. So it actually is, I think, a a great idea. So you talked about um, when you graduated, you you had some career opportunities. So you've have you been in this space, I guess, since you got out of Kansas State? 
I sure have. You know, early childhood has always been a very small field, um, especially for graduation at, from a college. And so even out of my graduating class at K-State, we had, I think, 12, which was one of the largest classes. And I think there's only myself and one other out of that class that has remained in early childhood. And I have thankfully had the opportunity, um, I kind of go through the gamut of I've been a classroom teacher. Uh, I quickly became a child care director of a nonprofit here in Manhattan that unfortunately closed. Uh, And then I've worked with military programs, um, a sponsored project of the DOD. And our focus was to increase quality and support childcare facilities off post that serves military families. So I did that many years and then um, we lost that grant funding. The DOD canceled that program. I then moved on and worked with a state funded project around workforce development and childcare systems and training professional development and decided that I was ready to leave the nonprofit world and actually went to work for Codo in Colorado. I presented my position to them and said, this is why you need me. And they brought me on remotely, then supported me in opening up MHK Play Studio. Codo is? They are a company outside of Denver, Colorado, and they design and produce STEM materials for classrooms. Got it. And so all of our materials that we have in MHK Play Studio are all from Kodo. And so what is what is a typical experience in MHK Play Studio? Well, it depends. Depends on what age you are. It depends on if you're coming in with your parent. Um, we have our open play hours. So we're open six days a week right now. And you can just come in and explore and play. We really want to focus on relationships and getting adults down with their children and engaging in play. Um, So during the day, we see a lot of stay-at-home moms or parents that take a random day off to spend with their kids. Uh, We host classes. um, So all of our team members have a degree in education um, or something similar, um, like early childhood. And we host classes. You can also, we opened up our sip and snack and we've partnered with local vendors. So you can come in and get a specialty mocktail, grab a snack um, from a vendor and grab a bite to eat with your your children. We host school age programming still, birthday parties, events. As we like to say, the possibilities are endless. Got it. And you can find out about all that. You have a website, I'm sure. So you were recently recognized by the chamber as the winner of this year's top women-owned business. Uh, What did that recognition mean to you? A lot. Um, I will say that I have been in nonprofit forever and always had an entrepreneurial spirit. But there are definitely days that and I don't feel like a business owner. Um, It's very hard. And so being recognized was kind of, I'll be honest, it was a shock, a wonderful shock. um, But it meant it meant a lot to me for sure. So you talked about being entrepreneurial and you made the step from nonprofit to starting your own business. So um, what advice would you have for someone who's interested in taking the same step that you took? I would say find your mentors, whether that be with the chamber, whether that be um, honestly, one of my mentors was freshman year biology instructor. um, And he pretty much still, I still call him up at times and say, hey, I need your advice. But find those people that are going to cheer you on and push you forward. You get a lot of no's. And honestly, a lot of people told me no. And I took the risk. And I said, nope, I believe in this. I believe our community needs this. And I went for it. And that's an interesting point. We, uh, on the mentorship front, uh, we are working to connect young professionals right now with potential mentors. And, And one of the 
groups that we started last year uh, was a group called the Experienced Business Leaders, which is targeted to retired or nearly retired uh, people who have been in, in business uh, in, in Manhattan. And there are a lot of people who have been engaged in that already. Over 100 people have already been engaged in that. And we have over 50 of those individuals who signed up to be mentors. And so if you're looking for a mentor and you don't know where to start, give us a call and we can we can connect you to and there's some really great business people who are part of that program so um I'm glad you mentioned that because it, we think it is important for for people to have that so what makes Manhattan a great place to live and raise a family I really think from my perspective and this was even before I became a business owner is the local small business community um you know growing up in a small town myself coming to Manhattan at first felt really big. Um, and the longer I've been here, it just is a wonderful community. There's lots of things to do, especially if you're connected or love sports like my husband does. But just being able to go to restaurants and boutiques and things like that, like I love that feel, that community feel and what we've also done to rejuvenate points and things that are going on in Aggieville. There's just, there's a lot of community spirit that I, that I really love. Yeah, me too. So let's talk about childcare for a minute because that's a huge issue uh, across the country in Kansas, in Manhattan. Uh, you've participated in a group that we put together to to look at ideas for how we could address it here. But in your opinion, what can Manhattan and Kansas do to address this issue more thoroughly? I think there's a lot of things that we could do. Um, unfortunately, as many that have been a part of the conversation have recognized it's not one solution. This is a very complex situation that is happening nationwide. And I think there's some systems that could be changed. I think there's some um, regulations that could be updated, support, um, new support tools. Our state has really done a great job in regards to training, professional development, and in meeting the new federal guidelines. But there are things that we could do more of. Um, the other thing I think is we have a wonderful network of family child care providers that have been doing it for years. And we also have teachers and directors that have wonderful experiences and really considering looking at them as professionals and ones that can help new individuals become a family child care provider or an early childhood teacher. And rather than shifting them into a administrative role outside of an organization, really create a new type of system of mentorship. And I, I go back to mentorship again because I find it so valuable. I think that's one very important piece that I think many would would welcome even becoming a mentor or looking for someone to mentor themselves. And so one of, one of those projects that has a mentorship component to it is a project that you've worked on with our child care task force. And um, we've submitted a grant application to the state of Kansas. But talk a little bit about what that project looks like and how that might fill mm -hmm. some of the existing gaps that we have in the community. Sure. So the task force um, and a few of us worked um, pretty quickly on putting together a proposal to the state. And we wanted to look at childcare a little bit differently. And one of the biggest things that we've recognized, especially me, myself, I became a director of a childcare facility at 23 years old, basically right out of college with um, very little business experience. And 
the aspect of this incubator uh, child care facility would be assisting either family child care providers that are wanting to expand their business and not really knowing how or having a location, uh, finding other individuals that are wanting to become an early childhood educator, but also want to look at the business aspect. And so this would also provide business school, uh, business training and coaches and mentors around the business aspect, as well as philosophy and support in our community around building um, multiple uh, child care centers on a smaller scale. Yeah, and we really like the concept because it's business focused, right? And it's not just about let's create a center for 100 kids, right? And I mean, because it's great, and, and but at the end of the day, that's 100 kids, whereas this model, potentially, you create new entrepreneurs who start new centers and you could, it could turn into, it could start with a hundred, turn into well over a hundred. And, and if it's a good program, it's something that can be replicated in other places. And so right. uh, we're hopeful that, that uh, we're, uh, that's going to be looked upon favorably. We feel pretty comfortable that we're going to get an award of some kind. So, so we'll, we'll see what that looks like going forward. So on the chamber front, uh, you recently accepted a position on the board. Uh, what made you decide to take that step other than the arm twisting, and uh, and are you looking forward to anything specific in that new role? Um, I'll be honest. I think that was another one of those like, wait, you want me on the board? Wow, this is interesting. Um, I think it was more for me. It's it's a step kind of in a in a new direction for me, and recognizing that I am a business owner, um, and connecting with other individuals in our community, um, potentially individuals that I wouldn't normally connect with. And serving my community in a different way is really what I was, what intrigued me. I was speaking to one of my mentors the other day and I said, you know, I've discovered that I have a servant heart and I'm really drawn to serving, even if that means adding something else to my list of of things to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate your willingness to do that. It, you know, Childcare and housing, people, you know, they think about us as an economic development organization or a tourism organization or a business organization, but really uh, housing and childcare are, are the top issues that our businesses say they're facing because the number one challenge really is, is workforce. And um, we've got to have enough people to fill jobs. We have, we have a number of jobs that are, be, that are planned to be created over the next several years. And we got to have the people to fill those. And uh, housing and childcare are the top issues that people identify as barriers to getting back in the workforce and, and getting in the workforce in Manhattan. So uh, we appreciate your perspective on that, uh, not just on the task force, but now on the board. And so that's going to be real important. So thank you for agreeing to do that. Absolutely. So now we get to the what a lot of people consider their favorite part of the podcast on the Think MHK podcast. Uh, it is the rapid fire section where we pick 10 questions and we ask you and, and uh, you give us quick, honest answers and we, and we get to know Casey a little better. So okay. are, you, are you ready for this? Sure. All right. What movie have you seen the most times? Probably Legends of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. That's the, the old Brad Pitt movie, It is. Right? Uh-huh. It was one of his first. It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. all the girls talking about <laughs> that. That was, that was very, uh, he was very popular. Describe your perfect day. Waking up a little late, cup of coffee and a good book, and sitting outside by my pool. Uh, if you could go back in time for one day, what day would you go to? Um, I would probably go back to a day when I was 
on the farm and riding horses. Just simple times of being outside in nature. What was your first job? My first job was at the age of five at my mom and grandmother's bakery, standing on a milk crate um, at the cash register, helping customers. Five years old seems pretty young to be uh, working at a bakery. How, how did you guys get by with that? Did you, this is a small town, they don't care, right? Well, this was actually in Wichita. Oh, okay. So it was a little busier. Um, we lived in Wichita for a period of time. Um, I don't know, school days out in summer, that was my favorite thing. I couldn't wait to go stand at the cash register and take orders. Now, when, when I was a kid, I always went down and quote unquote swept my uh, grandpa's, he, my grandpa and his brothers owned a farm implement dealership. And uh, I'm sure I didn't do a great job, but I would get a quarter for that. I thought that was great. And you know, I didn't know that I was, you know, that somehow they were getting around the labor loss. Did you get paid for this job? And, and was it a, was it a reasonable wage? Um, I did not get paid, but I did sneak the cinnamon roll out of the middle of the pan, which then made the others collapse. So I felt like I got a pretty good deal. Um, I also could drink as much decaf lattes as I wanted. So I blame nice. my mom and my grandma on the fact that I have to have fancy coffees every morning. Yes, well, you know what? It could be worse things. So that is that is a great first job. Uh, what is the most unusual pet you've had? Well, so I, I claim MHK Play has all of our exotic pets, but Charles, our beloved chameleon, was the very first pet that I had that I can say. I, if you would have asked me growing up if I'd ever have a reptile, I would have said absolutely no, but fell in love with him. It's interesting what, what work and business will, will lead you to. Uh, where is the coolest place you've traveled? I would say the most experiential place I traveled was probably China. Um, and I was there for two weeks doing training. And so I got to travel all over different parts of China in a very rapid 11 days. That sounds like fun. You know, we should change this question to experiential. I like that word better. It makes you sound a little more highbrow. <laughs> experiential. Although I may have a hard time pronouncing it. I don't know. What is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? Other than the pool, you can't use the pool twice. Oh, I was going to say coffee. So oh, there you go. Can well, I you use, use that one you too? You can use coffee. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer working remotely or in the office? You probably can't do your job remotely, can you? That, that would be tricky. Um, I actually do. Oh, okay. Um, so I still have my full-time job with Kodo in Colorado. And then I have MHK Play Studio. So thankfully, I have a wonderful team. And um they, Lindsay, my director, runs the day-to-day -day for me, and then we meet. And so I go in, um, I try and go in a couple times a week and experience children and see what's going on and support where I can. And then, so I have a blend. I get to work in person and at home. I work behind the scenes So you you prefer blend. So how do you deal with work stress? Um, so not well, I'll be honest. Um, but I have started a new hobby that has allowed my brain to shut off at night. And it is the art of quilling, which is rolled paper. Okay. I'm <laughs> unfamiliar with this. Explain to me exactly how that works. So it's a very old um, form of art. And it's thin, It's very small strips of paper. And you can purchase little tools off of Amazon. And you roll paper into tiny rolls. And then you make things like pieces of artwork out oh, of rolled paper. I got you. I have a friend in Norman that is an artist that that would be one of the ways he would do little classes in it to get people to do it. And I couldn't do anything. I think he used tinfoil though. Oh. It's like some kind that of tinfoil. Seems, yeah. So it's, it's my way of watching television and trying to shut my brain off and relax 
but my brain doesn't shut off. So it's a new way to like change the way that my brain's thinking. And so you make like little people. Do you make like I've I've only made three things so far. Um, and two of them were Christmas gifts, which I was told is not really a hobby when you turn it into something that you have to finish. But that's how my brain works. So I uh, one is just an abstract, like leaves, different types of leaves that I turned into that I got framed for someone. That's about as far as I've gotten so far. Last question: What and this two answer could be two answers, might just be one. Your first concert and your favorite concert. First concert would have been Brooks and Dunn when I think I was six. And I think somebody else answered Brooks and Dunn before. So really? Yeah. That Brooks and Dunn was, you forget how big Brooks and Dunn was at one point. They've been around. We actually went to Vegas and saw Brooks and Dunn and Reba. And that was a wonderful concert. Favorite concert. Gosh, that's a toss up. I would say either Old Dominion at Red Rocks because of the location. Red Rocks is a beautiful space. Um, and then Journey. I've seen them probably six times. So that's one of my uh, bucket list items is to go see Journey. And <gasps> I better do it quickly because clearly Neil Sean and uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Kane are, are about to split. I think they're supposed to be in Wichita in April. Oh, we'll have to check that out. All right, Casey, thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks for all you do for the chamber and for this community. And we appreciate you being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.